Hey everybody, this is Eric Frankhouse for EFP, episode 10, House Rules. That's right, today we're going to be going over House Rules, why we have them, and do they serve a purpose? Is it something you need? And kind of my thoughts on how I think players and GMs should change their mentality towards them. It's as simple as I think is maybe the name itself. So we're going to be going over a couple topics here, along with a call-in today. So we're going to go into why do we need House Rules? When is it okay to have them and use them? Designers are essentially creating house rules. How to present them. Our call-in. My answer to the call-in. And the new setting. Maybe I'll get in a little bit of this this uh, last two days up at Storm Bunny Studios, along with Midwinter going on. So let's jump into the show, everybody. <laughs> Hey everybody, first I want to apologize for this not coming out on Wednesday. I was out in Sheboygan at Storm Bunny Studios getting everything prepared for release of our large over 250 page book. On top of that, we have Midwinter coming up and we are doing a new version of immersive character creation. Part of it's to prove Sean wrong. The other part is because we really like this idea on how to teach players to play a new system they've never played before. This isn't how you're going to make your characters all the time, but it's a great intro to the game. Uh, we have named it Office Party for the episode, and think Nakatomi Plaza Die Hard, but a little more on that old cult side. And by a little more, I mean a lot. So, quick apology. Wanted to get that out of the way. Let's get into the actual, you know, nitty-gritty, the show itself. And I want to talk about house rules. Boy, where to start? Um, with starting the new campaign, I had some decisions to make if I wanted house rules. And what are house rules, and when do we use them, and why? So, when do we need them? I think it's pretty simple, at least in my eyes. I think it's dependent on the story you're going to tell, or the setting you're going to tell it in. With house rules, they should be something to fill the void of what the core system you're using doesn't have. Or maybe... It has it, but you need to amplify it or ramp it up. And throughout this, my example is going to be how magical items work in 5e. I recently, with talking to Jay Sonia, found out the magical items in 5e, you have to attune. And you only get to attune three of them. I know that doesn't feel very fantasy or high magic to me. And the setting I'm developing right now is way on that side of high fantasy. I mean, high, high magic, like... Every single person who's a human starts with the ability to cast spells, fighter or not. And creatures, every monster in the world, is created from magic. So you get where this is going. This isn't a normal setting where it's Conan the Barbarian. Magical items are common and, and matter. Now, before anyone calls in and says, But Eric, all the magical items don't have to be attuned. I understand that. But I want people to be able to turn, attune more than they have. So I think this is an example of house rules that I need. On top of that, um, I have what are called marks, and these are marks of the monster. These are things that slowly turn in the monster. I talked about that in my phylactery episode, episode session zero. So I needed to make house rules for these, creative. I needed to design rules to implement these things that I wanted to see in the game. So I think those are examples of when you need them. Sometimes you also need house rules because, let's be honest, it's a company, they miss things, and if they miss things, you may have to uh, make your own errata. Uh, errata is a term that is used frequently in miniature games. We see it more in tabletop RPGs now, 
but you need your you need your list for your patch notes, you know. You need to know, oh yeah, well that sounded good. And one of our my examples is a clip phase. You could sit behind a countertop and I could shoot armor piercing rounds against you and it'll never penetrate it. That's right. Make your armor out of countertops in eclipse phase. So these are rules we had house rule, like mm, that's not gonna work. So that's my idea of why you need house rules. So let's get into what you need to do to implement them, how to implement them, and when it's necessary. When do you implement a house rule? What, what is the time to do? When is it okay to use? So I know people will say we have to play by the rules. And I'm a big component of understanding the rules and using them to begin. But after you've been playing a system for a while, or you've been gaming for a while, sometimes you don't want to follow those rules, and they don't fit the way your party plays, how you run a game, or maybe it doesn't fit the setting that you're doing. So when do you implement them? When do you put them into play? And when is it okay? For me, if it's going to make the story you're telling better, your player's happy, or implement a rule, like I said in the last part, that you don't have in that setting, it's a good time to actually make a rule and put it into play. Here's a primary and very simple sample of that. Do you know that in Pathfinder, when you roll a natural 1 or a natural 20, that that is usually applied to attacks and not the skill checks? But many of us apply to skill checks because of previous additions and rules that we've heard saying that a 1's a natural failure and a 20's an automatic success. That, that's not actually supposed to apply all the time. And they've changed that and added it throughout time. And there was a point in time where my group was saying a 1 wasn't a failure, it was just a minus 10 to what you did. And a 20 was a plus 10, showing that, yeah, 20s could succeed, but you're not toppling mountains. You're not doing uh, backflips across a flaming canyon 200 yards wrong, long with no flame resistance. Those were there to kind of show what you could and couldn't do. And also, if you were really good at something, you rolled a 1, you may still succeed. I think that idea of the mechanic getting a little crunchy, not necessarily in the way I run right now, but it's an example of a rule that most people don't know. Summoning, you got to be able to see the monster or have seen it or have it be uh, predominant in the area you're in in 5e. A lot of people probably don't know that. We take things for granted, especially magical spells. They're so different between 3.0, 3.5, Pathfinder into 5e. Very different spells across that gambit. When you play your system, read your spells. Do your due diligence, do your homework. So I think it's good to implement rules when you know you really like something. Like, maybe you don't like the idea that you crit on a 20, they're not that often, and now you're rolling to confirm. I know, I've taken that out of games to make it feel a little more heroic, a little more deadly. These are ideas of when you are going to change the rules. But most of all, it's a story. The rules should work for your story. And I think that is by far the number one reason to change a rule. Does it make your story better? And if it does, fucking change it. Just do it. Talk to your players. Say, hey guys, upcoming thing, we're changing the rule. And that's something I do want to talk about in this part. If you're going to change the rule, be really careful. Um, you don't want to change the rule in the middle of combat that makes it look like you're trying to beat the players. But if you're going into a combat and you tell them, listen, I want you guys to know there's environmental effects going to be going on during this, be ready. Or if these things dogpile on you, they do more damage. Or in this scenario, when you go to crit, their armor is so high, it takes one away from your crit multiplier. Make sure you give that to them in advance. Don't do it in the middle of combat. Players get a little upset with that. Or if you do it the first time they hit, make sure you tell them. 
I like to let people do research on the things they're fighting if there's time and learn these kind of things. But make sure you tell them. I Trust me, your session will go better. So for the next part, I want to talk about designers and house rules. Because if you think about it, when they make rules, all they're doing is making house rules for you to use. Let's get into it. After the two days up at Storm Bunny Studios, we had a long discussion about rules, how to implement them, why we craft them, what makes them balance, what doesn't. And coming back home and thinking about house rules and developing my new setting for Sundays, I think that designers, when they make something, if it's not the core system, it's not a core system, it's an add-on. Every single book we buy is literally pages of house rules. And us as the players and the GM get to decide if we want them in our system. The beginning of almost every splat book that comes out, that's an old term, but any form of new book, additive, supplement, whatever comes out, you and your group get to decide, do we want to include this shit? Does it fit what we're doing? Do we like the rules? Do we feel it's broken? So on and so forth. Just like when a player decides they want to play a new class or a new prestige class from a magazine or a third-party publisher or, I don't know, their head. The GM has the right to say no because maybe they don't think it fits what they're doing. Not that it's broken, but it doesn't fit the theme. So let's say a new book comes out that's all about city fighting and being an urban thief, and we are playing out in the wilderness. And he's like, oh, I want to play this. It's not that the house rule that that company developed, the rules they made that they developed are bad. So it doesn't fit what the hell we're doing. So instead, I say we stop thinking of them as house rules and think of them as rule sets, packages, details that we can add to our setting. They're not house rules anymore. They are rules that we are making like designers to add to our game. Do we want that? Do we, do we want to get rid of them? Do we want to keep them? They're not house rules. They're rules we've made. And they're things that we abide by if we decide to put them in the game. For me, the transparent part up front putting those into play, you really are doing the same thing as a designer, doing what I do, doing what TPK Games, Storm Pony Studios, whoever your third-party publisher, whatever your favorite book that comes out from Paizo or Wizards of the Coast or Monty Cook Games, they're taking the time to make house rules and giving them to you to use. They're not to be used all the time. They're made to be used when your house decides they should be implemented. So keep that in mind when you play with your group next. Designers make house rules. You make house rules. Every splat book you buy is a set of house rules. Really, they're just puzzle pieces. You have to decide if they're for your puzzle. So next, I'm going to get into how you present this stuff to your players, how your players can design and implement house rules and present them to the GM. I don't think that's talked about very much. With all these things said, you have to have a way to actually give them to your players and for your players to give them to you. Players, I think, can implement rules just as much as the GM. Your voice is, you know, four to one, five to one. If you don't like a house rule, let your GM know and say why. We didn't, I just made these marks of the beast. I could hear Todd's voice kind of not liking the fact that when he casts a spell, no matter what it is, if the creature makes a save, he gets a mark. I want to play test it out. We had a little discussion about it. And I went back to the drawing board on it. But that, that player is telling me as a player, that doesn't seem like it's going to be fun. And all the rules you add should be to make the experience better. So I presented it to the players. We didn't play yet. I'm going back to the drawing board to fix it. We'll have another conversation before we implement it. And I think players do the same thing with GMs. If they find rules they really like in a book, online, or in their head, bring it to the table, written out, 
even if, wherever you post your stuff, you know, if you have a Facebook group, G plus email strand, I don't care if you're licking an envelope and mailing it to your GM, whatever it may be, have a discussion before that game session starts so people can think about it. Or if you bring it to the table, tell them you don't want to implement it today, but you wouldn't mind looking and bringing it into the next game. As a GM, be open with your players. Let them know the rules. Only time I have rules be secret is if it's for something important, uh, but not important to the story. For example, a magical item or a piece of information that just gets them a little deeper, but doesn't stop them from solving the story or uh, uh, busting up conflict. Instead, those rules I hide that are secret are things like every time they fail something, the lich gets a little bit stronger. Or if uh, a player decides that they want to jump across a chasm and I ask them what the difficulty is, uh, what they failed by, and they say five, it allows me to tell them how they failed. These are just keys for myself, but don't directly make the player die or fail. It's to make the story better. If you're going to implement something combat-oriented, those are the biggest, how skills work, how crafting works, make sure your players are on the same page with you and agree and ask them, open and honestly, do you like these rules? How would you edit them? If you don't like them, why? And maybe that means they're not understanding how you want to implement them and you didn't word it right. Or if they gave it to you, you don't like it because you're immediately saying, oh, it's third-party publisher, screw that. Because I had that problem when I was running 3.5. AEG stained us with their guerrilla combat tactics where you could take a D6 to a D8 for a rogue sneak attack, and the player didn't tell me. The player would have told me we had a discussion about it. So just make sure you talk to your players and your party and, and have a talk about it. So, I mean, that's all I have to say about house rules. It's not long, but every group has house rules. I think you should have them written down somewhere in a, a set of lists that says this is the house rules. Let players know what they are. Maybe your house rules are different. Maybe it's showing up on time. Maybe it's uh, once a month someone brings food and you rotate who that is. But whatever they are, have them posted so people don't forget and everyone can hold everyone accountable when those house rules are being used. Now, with all this said, I want to get to a call-in. Hobbs from Hobbs and Friends or Scree on here uh, on Anchor has called into the show about me calling in and I'll put it up and we'll have a little bit of a discussion about it. Frank House, my man, Jason Hobbs here from Random Screed and even the better well-known podcast Hobbs and Friends of the OSR. Hey, thanks for uh, sending the link along on G+. I'd been kind of talking to Sean and trying to find your Anchor channel, so very glad about that and man you actually start a new game every new year that would be kind of sad but cool i guess at the same time but regardless thanks for all the advice and if i actually had ever played numenera before i would consider playing your west marches game but i haven't so maybe you will join my west marches bx game we'll see uh, like i said jason hobbs here and i'll see you at gary con if not before later Thanks for the call on Hobbs. Hobbs and I met each other, I believe, at GameholeCon through Gaming and BS's party. If you haven't listened to their two podcasts, uh, Hobbs and Friends is amazing, and Gaming and BS are two guys that I think are married but don't want to admit it. Maybe not, but in all honesty, both fantastic podcasts. Uh, as for you never playing Numenera, I will say that a lot of the people in my group have never played Numenera, and it's a jump-in, jump-out play since it's a West Marches style. If you want to try it out, I'll give you an NPC. You can come guest star. Got some stuff coming up where I wouldn't mind having a guest star that travels with them from the Tangential Castle, and that would allow you to kind of get your feet wet. Maybe you can learn something from the new system and bring it over to what you do.
as for all the the stuff I'm doing, uh, you're more than welcome. I listen to your stuff all the time. It always sounds like you're in a truck. So I'm guessing you are, and these are kind of like Hobbes thoughts. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Um, I, I would love to maybe you and I do a show together. Me come on your show or you come on mine, and we kind of do a, a recording maybe on how we GM and tips and tricks and get into the things that you know we enjoy for gaming. And as for the every new year doing no game, that's not the case. Um, what actually it was is our, our group was kind of an ecstatic part of our gaming career. We've been together for years and years, over 10, easy. And I wanted to freshen things up. So I decided new year, new rules, new setting, new game. We're using 5e. Only a few of us have played that like once or twice. Um, I've ran it maybe three times. And I wanted to do a new setting to move us away from all the stuff we've been playing. We've been playing a lot of Blades in the Dark, um, Star Wars, FFG, Numenera, my home world of Fontia, which is uh, soul punk Victorian horror, cyberpunk. And I wanted to bring us back to our roots, Dungeons and Dragons. With this Thursday, tonight, when I'm recording this, being the brand new season of Critical Role, and with the idea of 5e doing as well as it is, I wanted to try to capture those old feelings we had when we loved playing dungeon crawls and games and magic and really bring that back into being. With things like Harry Potter, which all of my group has probably read that, but we're not huge fans. We, we appreciate what it's done for the industry and what it's done for you know the silver screen. But the idea of having a high magic game is something that appealed to me. And I wanted to make something different. So... With that, thanks again for calling in, Hobbs. Um, I can't wait to see you at GaryCon. I will be a midwinter if you're going to be up here at all this coming weekend. If you want to get a beer, shoot the shit, maybe play some Bloodlines and Black Magic. Or if you would be at uh, NonCon. We do a convention in Sheboygan, ran by Storm Bunny Studios, sponsored by 8th Street Ale House. I was just on Guys, Beers, and Games. A podcast yesterday with Roman, another gentleman who helps run this. 8th Street sponsors us. It's small, quaint. You're talking somewhere around that 30 to 60 people, and we play games. It's very inviting, very friendly, 21 and up, and it's made for drinking, which I know you love as much as I do. Again, thanks for calling in, Hobbs. I will talk with you soon. Keep up the anchor, and I hope you're enjoying it, man. So kind of the end of this episode, I want to talk about what's coming up, what's going on. Um, my Patreon is going strong. I have a new one coming out, a new plotted adventure coming out this month. Coming up next month will be the launch of the Grimmer Space podcast, which I'm doing a bunch of cartography and logo and, and conceptual work for them, along with a bunch of playtesting that I did. Bloodlines and Black Magic is coming out. Uh, I did a lot of the maps and design work with the fantastic team that has put that together. And you'll soon see what we're calling episodes instead of adventures coming out with whispers and rumors for Bloodlines of Black Magic. I'll be a midwinter, like I mentioned earlier in this. I'll be there Friday and Saturday this week. Uh, that is going to be me running Bloodlines of Black Magic for the VIG people, very important gamers. Uh, Jay will be doing the same. We'll be bringing our new prop suitcases that are just chalked for, full of stuff for that adventure for Office Party. It's new immersive style of character generation. And then, with now that said, we also have non-con coming up the first weekend of February, the Super Bowl weekend. So if you live out in the Milwaukee parts or an adjoined state, 
maybe think about coming. It's a very quaint convention with super skilled GMs. I'm there, Jason Stonia, Clinton Boomer. Um, and we have a couple of guys who are just huge board and game fanatics running things. It's a really, really fun convention based around what we want to do, play games and drink beer. 21 and up, keep that in mind. And you can come for just one day if you want. We'll handle that at the door. So I think that's it for me. I've had a very long week. I have more to do. I have a lot of art to sit work, sit down and do, artwork. And if you follow me on this, call in like Hobbs did. Let's get a conversation going. I love answering questions. If you're a GM or a player and are having problems, I love answering those. I feel that my, Jesus, 20 years in the industry and three iron GM belts, I feel that I probably can answer some stuff for you. And it also helps me develop new content. So download Anchor, hit that call-in button down below, and don't forget this is now a podcast. Whatever podcatcher you use, put an EFP, look for that compass in the brown and orange, and you'll find me. All right, everybody, have a great night. Get ready for Critical Role tonight. I know I will be watching, and I will be in the Alpha channel. Go roll some dice, grab a beer, play games with your friends. See you all later.